Yeehaw! Pick up your dogs and your top hats. It's me, the Monopoly Kid. Don't pass go, don't collect 200 poundsies. Oh no! Oh hello there, Laurie. Oh cowpoke, looks like you're on Marylebone Avenue. I got two hotels on them bastards. You owe me so much money. And it's fine because you keep landing on literally every other property on the board which I own, so it's fine. I'm flush with cash. You're the one in trouble, sir. Don't you try and bamboozle the kid. I got all the utilities and the train stations, just in case you think of skipping town, Conrad. (laughs) Wild Conrad. You know... A black hat cowboy landlord really is an interesting character proposition, isn't it? Uh, well, I'll, you can I'll do be... something with that, like tying tying uh, women to train tracks, right? And then when they come to like do something about it, it's like, but I own the rails; I can do what I want. <laughs> See, I was about to say, what does it matter if I don't pay the rent? If you send me to jail, I've got a jail free, get out of jail free card. And then I remembered those are basically a thing in America that police can give out to their friends to be like, hey, be nice, I'm friends with a cop. And then I got a bit sad for a second. Yeah. That shouldn't be a thing. I'm the only law in this town. If you want to get out of jail and get your 200 pounds, you're going to have to blow your way out with a red stick of dynamite with a bit of string on the end. Like we had in cowboy times. Community change. That's also a monopoly thing. That's that's a lot uh, more gracious of a way of getting out of jail, because when you started by saying the only way out of getting out of jail was to blow, I thought this was a much different proposition. No, the monopoly kid is ethical. I mean, can't I just roll doubles? I'll be perfectly honest with you, a monopoly thing, cowboy type of character. Don't have much meat on them comedy bones. <laughs> but that's never stopped us before. Yeehaw! Bang, bang, bang. Uh. Oh god! Oh dear! The the only joke I have left is free ho- uh, free parking, but it's free parking for your horse. There you go. That's a joke. The free stumpy stumpy rope. Yeah. You know, I I do I do also. I you know, on reflection, now I think about it, it is deeply troubling that Oriental Avenue is one of the cheapest properties on the board. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, that's because you're in scumbag America. That's not a piece on the board in England. No. Yeah. Well, no, because yours is probably not entirely based on Atlantic City, but that ours is, and... Ours is basically London, but that's all. Oh. I love the implication that, like, there's nothing problematic about London. <laughs> like, the UK, right? We keep our noses clean. <laughs> <laughs> we keep our monopoly clean, at least. You gotta keep it respectable. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, that's that's the Monopoly-themed cowboy portion of the show. <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way. Absolutely, absolutely. It should have been Marylebone Gulch instead of Avenue. I don't even know if Marylebone Avenue is on a Monopoly board. It's been a thousand years since I've seen a British Monopoly board. The last time I played Monopoly was Star Wars Monopoly in Pittsburgh. Oh, that wasn't even Monopoly. That was Trivial Pursuit. I think Mar- I think Marlebone's on there still. Is it High Street then? Is that your your boardwalk park place? Is it High Street? I don't know. I've not played Monopoly in a long time. Huh. My my only awareness of Monopoly is many many games played with all of the terrible house rules that keep money in circulation, which <laughs> is not how you're meant to play that game because 
People hate Monopoly because it goes on forever. People hate Monopoly because it resembles capitalism. Well, this is the thing. They're not even letting it resemble capitalism because they're just like, oh, I landed on free parking, all the money back, and it goes on for like six hours. You've got to be ruthless capitalist to end the game. No, no, wait a second. Wait a second. You mean to tell me that the people with the money changing the rules so that they can keep more of the money for longer is not the way capitalism (laughs) works? Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. Well, see, no, the problem here is that capitalism doesn't work that way because a random person can't just get the trickle-down benefits of the economy. And like, Really? Really? You wouldn't consider the station of your birth being randomly assigned to be representative of that? See, I was thinking already in life. I'm in life already. Oops, money just fell on me halfway through. That's not how it works. You start with, you don't have money at the start, you never get it. Don't pay any attention to Conrad. (laughs) He's been reading Das Capital again and filling his silly little head with ideas. (laughs) I've told him about that thinking. Thinking and reading. Like some sort of liberal arts student. This is not a show for thinking. Bloody up. No, it, no, this isn't a show for thinking. Um, it, this is a show to find out whether your favourite video games are great or perfect. Let's commit some slander. Anyone got any good slander? We haven't done slander in a while. We haven't done slander. I mean, Peter Molyneux eats powdered glass and he, he, he isn't bothered by it, but he doesn't realise other people aren't, so he's constantly trying to get people to eat powdered glass. He's like, I've powdered this glass... Fresh uh, this morning. Do you want some? And they're like, no, no, it would actually poison me. And he's like, no, it won't. And then he'll put some in their sandwich, their egg and cress sandwich. Welcome to Podquisition. Huh? It's a video game podcast. Ostensibly, that's what we're here for, to tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect. Mm. Who's got video games? Yum, yum, yum. Video games are yummy. It's not a bad week for video games, actually. At yeah, least- there's, a lot, there's a lot of bits to talk about, lots of stuff. I, 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 got, I got that Spelunky too. Yeah, I played it as well. I have not touched it yet. What, what, what are you both thinking of it? Uh, it is what I would want from a sequel to Spelunky. Uh, they've nailed it so far. I have absolutely no complaints. I mean, they had the gameplay so well refined from the original that that translates. You could just add more interesting shit to it. And that's what they've done. Uh, the turkeys, the rideable animals. Oh, my God. I got a Quetzalcoatl. Not a Quetzalcoatl, an Axatotl. Axatotl. The, the, the really cute lizards that I like, but I can mm-hmm. never say their names right. The one that's M- Mudkip from Pokemon. Yeah, and it rides around and blows bubbles and traps Emonies in the bubbles, and there's a horsey thing that can breathe fire. It's... The mounts are great. They are great. Um, I... And the, the gameplay improvements for specific types of people that they know represent a really core audience for Spelunky is just phenomenal. So one of the things that they've added in is a new pot that appears in every level, and it has a little ghost face on it. And if you break it, you get a diamond, and it immediately brings the ghost out. So if you're a player who did ghost runs in Spelunky, uh, because the advantage to having the ghost come out is, while of course, it chases you, and if it hits you, you're instantly dead. It's kind of slow moving, and you can navigate it through the stage, and any time it passes over a gemstone, it's transformed into a much more valuable diamond. Mm. And, Conrad, just at this juncture, can you tell them what else the ghost does now? I would be... I would be so happy to. But the one thing I do want to point out about this is that 
to wait for the ghost in the original Splunky took three minutes or 90 mm. seconds or I don't know. There was a lengthy amount of time you had to be in the level before the ghost came, which was great because you could do a whole bunch of prep stuff, but it still took a long fucking time. Being able to open that pot and bring the ghost out immediately is huge. And then there's the other bit. Mm-hmm. Because I mentioned that the ghost moves slow. But about 30 seconds or a minute after that ghost has been out, that ghost splits into two ghosts, one that moves just slightly slower than you do, and one that moves at the pace of the normal ghost. And they got faces like the theater masks. Yeah, Like, one's really happy, that's the fast one, and then there's a slow one that's all done as sad. And so not only have they created a system where you can more quickly access the ghost and leverage its ability to generate high scores, it's added another risk-reward component to it and another ease of access. By making that second ghost fast, you can cut down the amount of time it takes to accomplish your goals in terms of maximizing score even more quickly, but at much greater risk to yourself. So the way that they have balanced and introduced new elements into this so far, I'm finding deeply, deeply impressive. So anyway, that's my Spelunky 2. Jim probably thinks it's real cute, and it is. The meme game is so mean, it makes my tummy hurt. It is mean. It is very mean, and I'm not good at it. Um, And I keep having to stop because I get annoyed. Um, It's very good. Don't get me wrong, Buster. It's very good. Um, The mounts, yeah, I could speak all day about them. They're they're just brilliant. Um, The visuals, we were talking about that yesterday. Because Conrad was, was here and we were playing it, and... Yeah, they, they, they've really retained the art style, but everything just feels that much more... Um, I don't want to say cartoony, because, it because again, it is the same art style. But there's something about it that just pops and flows so much better. They have more life. I think the character... You know, the characters, there's... They haven't changed a lot of design, but they've made design subtly more detailed in ways that helps enemies pop off the in, in the environment. Spiders are so much easier to see now because they've given them some more distinct coloration that helps them stand out. Um, they're still a threat, but... You know, you're not going to be completely surprised or you have less of an excuse to feel surprised by them because they're much more out there. And yeah, everything just looks better, but it doesn't feel dramatically overhauled either. No. And it's set on the moon. Mm-hmm. Killed a shopkeeper earlier. I got the shotgun and then I died quickly after that. But I shot some things. I just had an, uh, uh, an amazing thought, Jim. Uh-oh. What if instead of like King Yama... In in uh, in Spelunky One as the final boss, what if it's Hitler? What if the last level is a Nazi moon base? Can there be a no- secret Nazi moon base level in Spelunky Two? Spelunky was a crossover with Iron Skies the whole time. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a thought that'll bring me joy, and because oh, yeah. I will never see everything in the game. I could operate that as headcanon. Somewhere in Spelunky 2, there's a hidden Nazi base level. Hidden in a crater full of moon cheese. Because cheese, we'll go with the cheese thing as well. Everything. There should be a game that's set on the moon where everything about it is true. Where the moon landing was both faked and yet all the stuff is on the moon. That bit we don't explain. Well, yeah, it's both fake and it was the time when we first communicated with the aliens that live there. Yeah. 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 And there's green cheese on it. Um, and what else is there? It's got a face that's like, hello there. <laughs> what, a good, what a good game. It's, uh, yeah, uh, solid game. They're doing it right. 
Um, I, I no, I'm happy. I bought it on PS4, really only because it's not coming out until 29th on Steam. Oh, oh, yeah. And I'm gonna buy it again when it comes out on Steam because naughty boy. I know, but it's it's just great, and it, it makes me very very happy. And uh, there, God, there was something else about it that I wanted to to say, and it's lost to me now. So I guess I guess I can move on. Oh, oh, other little gameplay improvements, controls. Like they, you know, they have they have it set up for people. One of the things I find interesting is that the game is designed from or is default from the get go, with the under I think with the expectation that people are going to come into it having experienced Spelunky one. Yet it still has a tutorial. That presents everything as though you haven't experienced Spelunky 1. Um, here's what I'm getting at. The the character defaults to run without pulling a button. You you pull a button to walk instead of pull a button pull a button to run. And I know why that is. Because anyone after they've played Spelunky for a while and have developed a real comfort with the controls just immediately runs all the time except for the points at which they need to slow down. Yeah. I haven't played the first Spelunky in years. And did not know what the hell was happening at first. Right. And and so I think that that's if you're coming into Spelunky for the first time, or if you have a lot of familiarity with the original Spelunky, but you, you know, and, and you do that, just be aware that you're going to feel weird about this probably when you first turn it on, unless you change that setting. Um, but yeah. Now, again, it's a good quality of a life adjustment that they've made. It's just uh, maybe default, not not great. Yeah. Luckily, you can you can swap them in the options, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's very enjoyable. I'm I'm. It's one of them games that always has lots of surprises. But I don't think I'm going to get very far. I didn't get very far in the first one. Um, I like these kinds of games, but that one is. There's something about it that's a little trickier where some of the other ones, like Binding of Isaac, I get really into. Um, but it's it's a great game. I mean, it's just, it's completely unforgiving. It's totally unforgiving. And that's, it has its rules. They are this way. They are not arbitrary in any way, shape, or form. It's not even really random at the end of the day because of the way the levels are generated. Once you know certain things about it, the level of randomness that you find in a game, it can make it dramatically easier in ways, but that's it. It doesn't get harder as a result of you not getting things or things being placed poorly. Um, and that's something I appreciate about it. Oh, Conrad, that's what I tell people about Dark Souls to shut them up. <laughs> what else? Uh, Laura, you play anything? Yeah, I played a bunch of, like, small things that I don't have huge amounts to say about any of them. Uh, I managed to get my hands on that uh, Mario collection a couple of days early, the uh, the 3D All-Stars thing. Oh, the, the one that you can only purchase until the end of March? Yeah, for literally no reason. You can only uh, or buy it until the end of the financial year at the end of March, which is really anti-consumer. It's not a good port, or at least it's a really half-assed port of these games. Um, huh. It's here's I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll say this: all of these games are still very good games, and none of what has been done with this collection fundamentally stops these games being good games. They are the good games that you remember, and they still exist. Um, 
undeniably they all look nicer. They have been upscaled or the resolution's been increased and they generally look nicer on a modern TV. Um, Mario 64 in particular, it's very nice not to have the Vaseline smear across the screen. Everything's a bit crisper, which is nice. And that is it in terms of like effort made. Mm -hmm. Mario 64... N not in not in widescreen doesn't have proper um like dual analog stick uh three three sixty degree camera control didn't the didn't the the three d s or d s version of that game have extra characters uh, the d s version of that game had extra characters which are not in this version yeah that's what I was gonna find out like yeah this this does not have any of the additional content that was in the d s game this is the n sixty four original um your right analog stick still functions as C buttons that kind of move the right, camera yeah. in set directions. Uh, it's it's basic quality of life things that you would kind of hope for are not yeah. there. Oh, I think I might do a poo on my Switch. Yeah? Yeah, in protest, a dirty protest. <laughs> um, this is not super important to me, but I know this will be a thing to speedrunners. This is not the original version of Mario 64. This is a... Slightly tweaked version that, like, I think it came out in Japan a bit later. You can't do the the super fast back uh, backwards jumping thing that the glitch that all the speedrunners use to to go up the stairs real quick and to level skip. So you can't use this version for for doing speed running either. If that's a thing you care about, Mario Sunshine. It's at least in widescreen, but it hmm. There's a lot of very weird concessions they've made. Um, all of the on-screen prompts for buttons are still GameCube button prompts, which is not the case in all of these Mario games. Like, Mario 64 has, like, new modern, it's got the plus button instead of start. They just didn't bother in Sunshine, apparently. It's still got, like, the, the, the weird-shaped X button from the GameCube controller. They cut off lines of dialogue early to avoid saying GameCube controller buttons. So, like, when Flood's explaining to you to the controls, instead of saying press the R button, it'll be press the button. That's not useful. No, they've just kind of... It'll still say on screen which button to press, but they've just cut a chunk of the voice line out to just be like, it's fine, we're no longer talking... To they didn't get the VO back to re-record what button it now is or anything. It's weird corner-cutting... Choice. It, th these are the these are the kind of things that sum up. It's just a really lazy port. These are the kinds of things that explain why Nintendo, a company that has historically milked the fuck out of their first party titles by milking keeping them, them in stores the entire lifetime of the console cycle and not lowering prices, suddenly deciding, hey, maybe we should only make this available for a quarter. That answers a lot of questions for me. And they've already made a lot of money doing that. Yeah, and here's the thing. Part of it feels a little bit like, hey, maybe maybe you made it, you know, real high d demand, oh, get it before it's gone, so that people would buy it before they realised you really shat this one out. Mario Galaxy looks gorgeous. You can do touchscreens if you don't want to do motion controls to pick up the star bits that you don't really need to collect. These three games are all really good games. And I'm glad they exist. You can press a button rather than shaking your Wii Remote to do your spin in Galaxy. They're all really good games still, just... They've not made even, like, the most basic bit of effort to go, 
ah, oh, that would be a nice, slightly modernised thing that we could do that would just bring this game up to modern step. No. Wow. In no place have they made any changes that feel like they're modernising anything. The Kingdoms of Anim- Amala remaster did significantly more than that. Yeah. And people weren't happy with that. Well, but this is look, this is Nintendo. You know there's going to be a completely different standard at play. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When I do a video on this and, and you know, unless they've made changes, if, if, all, if they're this slapdash by the time it's out on Friday, if there's no patch, if I describe accurately what I'm seeing, Nintendo fans will be very upset. They always are. Yeah. So, like, I, I was trying to think of comparing this to other, like, collections of this sort, and it, obviously it stands up really poorly if you put it next to something like the Crash Bandicoot or Spyro remakes or remastered from the last couple of years. Yeah. But I think it even looks bad when you compare it to something like Rare Replay, because, you know, look at Rare, Rare Replay on the Xbox. That didn't do much, if anything, to update or modernise these games. It was essentially just emulating games that already existed. But it had a bunch of other stuff in there to bulk out the collection. It was well presented. There was a lot of presentation. Yeah. It was a bu- it was a budget title that was well presented with a bunch of content in there. Like, you know, there were no weird emissions. Yeah. And, and just the, the, game, the game selection alone, it wasn't just three games as well. Yeah. It was literally everything. And it was something like the Mega Drive collection or something. Like, yeah. like if it's a compilation, and, and especially one that was this, um, history charting as, as the rare one, yeah. then yeah, yeah, you don't need to do too much. But if, you, if you're offering three remasters of... of... Yeah, you're offering three emulated ports with the most minor of tweaks uh, to make it functionally work... And some soundtrack, some soundtracks. It's just, it, it feels thrown together in a way that Nintendo products rarely do. Yeah. I don't remember the last Nintendo game that I played that felt like this just shat out. That is a shame. And I mean, as I said, the core games are still great Mario platformers. They are of higher quality than most most. 3D platformers ever end up being, just you kind of hope for more out of Nintendo. You expect them to, you know, take some love and care when they put something like this together. Yeah. Well, the past few years, some things they've been doing have been real. Yeah. This this is this is one of the, the lazier, more cash grabby things they've done. Oh Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, what about you both? Either of you played anything else this week? Uh, I played a little of, uh, Astroneer. Oh, what is that? Astroneer, I, I got it on Xbox Game Pass, it's in there right now, and it's another one of these, you're on a planet, you know, build stuff with resources, and, you know, grow a base, and explore out, and eventually try to get yourself off the planet games. It's presented in a third-person perspective, and one of the, uh, like, the thing that I think sort of makes it stand out from some of the others is that you have to maintain an oxygen supply um, with you at all times. And so you have a backpack that has a tank that will carry a limited amount, but you need to build lines as you go out and explore that you can move back to and recharge your oxygen. And so there's this system of, you know, as you're walking out places, you're just dropping posts in the ground, basically, so that you'll create this pathway, this Hansel and Gretel thing that you can return to and walk back and forth down as you go to get materials to craft more advanced machines that will then refine those materials and on and on and on it goes. 
Um, it's also interesting in the way that like the the structures complement or, or uh, function with each other. You have a main base and it provides power. And so you have to run cables to all of the other platforms that you set up with their own devices. And then you could swap the devices off of the individual platforms. It's real configurable. You can, you know, you get full control over how you position and lay things out. Uh, and it, it works really well as a base design system it's kind of boring though like kind of boring and i feel a bit directionless because mm-hmm. there's so much technology that has been revealed to me already that i just don't know but i don't know it's function enough to have any sense of where i should be trying to go next and i think it's pretty well made but i'm just not jiving with it i think is the thing it's beautiful though i really like the visuals it's got a bit of a no man's sky kind of aesthetic and you know brightly colored and nice uh but i don't know that i'm gonna spend a lot of time with it in the end yeah that's fair uh what else what else we played this week i've been playing some pool guys have have either of you jumped on since they did their update a couple of days ago not yet not yet okay so i I put a couple of hours into pool guys since they did their i think they called it the mid-season update and in short a bunch of the more basic and simple early levels in the game have been and and some of the later ones but the, the early ones more frequently are now seeing randomized remixes um and there's a lot of different remixes that can happen on a level per level basis um nice there's a lot of also just like tweaking of the the base versions of levels as well um i'm trying to think of some good examples off the top of my head um you know that level where there's the big wrecking ball swinging left to right and then you've got to go up the pink slope and there's all the things going left and right to try and stop you right before the finish line Mm -hmm. do you know which one i'm on about yeah um the when you're going up that pink that pink slime uh the the bouncy barriers now go all the way to the edges so you can't just run up Ah. the, the, the edge as people have been doing for a while that's just a permanent change to that level um Sometimes the 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 wrecking balls will be swinging the opposite directions. They'll be going forwards and back rather than left to right. Hmm. Um, sometimes they'll be spinning hammers uh, rather than the moving barricades on that slime slope. This is smart stuff. Yeah, it's all very basic changes, but you never know if they're going to show up on on the level. And if they do, which ones are going to show up? That's nice. And that'll extend it because they won't have... Yeah. People who learn the layouts will now have to do a lot more. That's it. it it's just shaking up the muscle memory enough. Um, none of these are new components in the levels. They are the same things you've been interacting with, just placed in different arrangements to just shake up bits of the level. Mm-hmm. Um, the big yeetus, big the, yeetus. The big spinning hammers, that is a thing and it is hilariously fun. If you find it, if you can leap and get hit by it at the right... I, I've skipped entire... Like, I skipped a third of a level once <laughs> just getting hit by the big hammer. It's fucking great. That's lovely. I might have to give it a go soon again. Some some of the changes they've made have been, like, unexpected in interesting ways as well. Like, um, I, I, I've played rounds of... Um, oh, Full Mountain. I had a round of Full Mountain where they threw a couple of new things in. They had additional moving barriers in places they hadn't been before. They threw fruit down Fall Mountain at one point. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> it, it It's not every time, and I want to stress this. Like, you'll probably play two-thirds, three-quarters of your, le- your levels just as normal, and then you'll just come across one and go, 
Oh shit, you done you done something weird with this one. Okay, cool, what's up? The infrequency will make it harder for people to learn as well. Yeah. Because they won't be able to do the same thing over and over. And I, I like that it's not just one variant of each level. It's not yes. like, oh, here's the weird version of this level. It's, oh, here's one of the weird versions. I, I played for like three, four hours. By the end of it, was still coming across new variants I hadn't seen previously, and and that's how I want it to be. I want there to be sort of a standard stock that you see for the most part that you can really drill in on the concepts, and then only occasionally having one of these alterations come in so that yeah. it keeps it dynamic, but you still have that foundation and the opportunity to develop the skills. I think that's critical. And some of these changes are less notable than others. Um, like the seesaws level, for example, um, one of the variations they do on that is simply some of the seesaws aren't there. Oh. It, it is still the, the exact same core mechanic, except you can't take that, that route because the, the seesaws in the middle of this one don't exist. You've just, you've got to pick an outside edge to do. Like a lot of them don't change fundamentally what you're doing on the level. They just, funnel you in different ways yeah but such a, like a subtle change like that really alters how you approach it yeah i like that it's almost like this is what an actual live service is a game that's actually a changing and evolving with you as you play it instead of the same thing like for months and then maybe you get one update and then they cancel all future updates because not enough people were sticking with the boring piece of shit game. The, the changes they've made feel like the kind of thing that are probably easy enough to implement that, like, this feels like a really good roadmap for how to keep this fresh in between seasons. And it, it's definitely gotten me interested in jumping back into it. Yeetus. So yeah. The big Yeetus is great. I love the Yeetus. And they added anti-cheetus. Anti-cheetus. Yeah, apparently they were taking the cheetahs on PC and putting them on Cheetahs Island. Yeah, yeah. Which was a special server for them, but they were deep. They, they were having struggles containing it. But apparently they've added a lot of things to sort of try and squash them. So the update was called Big Yeetus and Anti-Cheetus. <laughs> See, I'd have gone with Big Yeetus and Cheetus Deletus. That's really good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Fall Guys has got me back. It's, it's got me back going. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it again. Wonderful. Uh, anyone else played anything else? I even played more Kingdoms of Amala. Yeah. I got to a bit where you could summon a bogger that follows you around. But there's a bug where it disappears if you fast travel. And that, from the looks of it, is, an, is like from the original. That's... Now I have a major problem with Kingdoms of Amal Reckoning. Because <laughs> a bogger is basically a, a wooden goblin. And that's brilliant. And I wanted, I was already slightly disappointed that I got to the DLC area and you can have a farm and keep a bogger on it. And I was like, oh, brilliant. I'll have that follow me around. And no, it stays on the farm and gives you a stat boost. And then I got to another bit and was like, holy fuck. I can, I can have it all. I can have it all. Like sex in the city. I can have a bogger on a farm and I can have a bogger following me around. Catching its little firefly and punching things for... No, fast travel, it go away. Now I've got a problem. Now we boycott. Now we storm the Bastille. So that was my experience with Kingdoms of Amala. I almost watched Pumpkinhead before we started this, but I was like, nah, I've only got an hour. Only got an hour before I have to do this. Not, it's not enough. I won't, I won't get to see Pumpkinhead fully wreak the revenge of Lance Henriksen. Which itself would be a great film, The Revenge of Lance Henriksen. 
<sighs> they gotta get me that ADHD medicine soon. The only other thing I've played is I, I, I went back in and played more Paradise Killer. Oh, uh, yeah, I started playing some more of that today, but didn't do much. Yeah, I, I've managed to get through a lot of my, like, the, the, the struggles I was having with the, the motion sickness. I've worked out, like, tweaked the settings enough and worked out how to move myself around to limit it. Cool, cool. I'm having to play in, like, you know, two-hour bursts and then stop still. But, um, yeah... I, I'm feeling a lot more positive about it than I was uh, when we talked about it the other week. Now that I have a much better sense of the layout of the island and how everything connects, I feel a lot less frustrated by the distance between things. I've got a better sense of how how to get around, how everything interconnects. I've got, I found most of the things that I was frustrated at my inability to find, or I was like, where the fuck is this thing? I can't fucking find it. And now I've gotten through that. I am back to just absolutely loving the hell out of this game's aesthetic and characters. The the narrative as it continues to unfold has been really, really well written. I have I'm stu- I've I've got some theories as what's going on. I'm really invested in it. I love this game and I, I kind of hate how long it's taking me to get through it just because I have to keep stopping and starting with it. But yeah, it's it's worth it's worth sticking with. Cool, cool. I am looking forward to getting into it. It's just you know, um, it's another one where there's a lot of reading and concentrating. Yeah. So I'm I'm not playing it. I'm I'm not getting into it as much as I know I would otherwise. If if I could. Yeah. If I could hone in on it, like I use the older I get, the worse it gets with me being able to follow things. Mm. But you know, it's still a really good game. The artwork's fantastic. I think I've said that before. The artwork and the music's great. Um, and I, I'm, I'm loving the characters. I just got done talking to the the witness, not the witness to the crime, the character <laughs> called the witness, which confused yes. me for a while at first. <laughs> with with the, the 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 gold skull mask, it's a real good oh. look. Um, yeah, and then all the characters are dressed fabulously. Mm. All all of the characters are fabulous. Yeah. Um, I think my favourite might be sort of uh, like Ram Lady who lives in the sewers. Oh, I got a call from that character. I haven't gone down to the sewers yet. That was one of the last things that happened to me before I uh, came here. I'm I'm very into that character. Oh, uh, so video gamey newsy things that happened this week. Um, I've got one here that is literally just happened while we've been uh, recording. Oh god damn so, it! So more more back and forth updates on this whole Apple versus Fortnite thing. Oh lord! Um, so short version. Apple has re- has in a uh, in a countersuit really really fucking gotten to the hit the nail on the head as to what Fort, uh, Epic's been doing with this lawsuit. Uh, let let me read from Apple's statement. Wait, is this is this a new this is a new statement because their lawyers filed like a uh, countersuit late last week or something? I think maybe after we recorded. Okay, this is. This is a new statement that has gone up. Like uh, this is in an opposition brief that that has just surfaced, like literally minutes ago. Oh, okay. For reasons having nothing to do with Epic's claims against Apple, Fortnite's popularity is on the way. Oh. <gasps> yeah, okay, let me just say I've said this before. Apple's lawyers—they know how to throw some spice into what they're cooking. It is. Oh, oh, you've not even you've not even fucking heard. Let me get to the next line. Oh. By July 2020, interest in Fortnite had decreased by 70% as compared to October of 2019. This lawsuit and the front page headlines it has generated appear to be part of a marketing campaign designed to reinvigorate interest in Fortnite. The claws are out! My god, this is the brazenness of both sides on this. Yeah, 
Um, oh, it continues. Apple ain't done. <laughs> Only 20% of Fortnite users have accessed the game exclusively on Apple devices. And among active users, only 10% play through iOS. If Epic were truly concerned that it would suffer reputational injury from this dispute, it would not be engaging in these elaborate efforts to publicise their own lawsuit. From all appearances, including the hashtag free Fortnite campaign, Epic thinks its conduct here will engender goodwill, boost its reputation, and drive users to Fortnite. Not the opposite. That is not harm. We are not harming Epic by fighting back. Wow. I, I feel like there was a video I did a couple of weeks ago where, where, where I suggested that everything Epic had done would make it so easy for Apple's lawyers they'd have to really deserve to lose if they yeah. lost. Uh, and, and you know, they may still, you know, Apple may still come out somehow on the losing side of this, but Epic has given them everything they need to discredit a case. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm reading through this, and it's like, oh, no, you, there are no holes in what you're saying here. There's a reason I kept quiet for, like, over a year while um, Digital Homicide was suing me. Really? Really? There was a reason you didn't open your fucking mouth? <laughs> there was a reason there wasn't a hashtag free sterling. Uh, uh, okay, last bit from Apple. If Epic were really concerned about preserving iPhone's users' access to Fortnite, or developers' access to the Unreal Engine, it would simply deactivate the hotfix and comply with Apple's policies pending resolution of its claims. Instead, Epic is holding its own customers hostage, attempting to gain uh -huh. leverage in a business dispute. And I'm like, yeah, yes, that is very clearly what's occurring. I do not, I do not disagree with anything my enemy is saying here. <laughs> if Epic fucks this up then they will have directly harmed the thing they're saying they're doing this for. Uh-huh. Yeah. They will only embolden Apple, maybe set a precedent or two. And, yeah, it you know. really... Like, here's the thing, I do not like Apple as a corporation. Fortnite is really fucking setting them up to give them everything yeah. they need to go. Yeah, yeah, fuck... fuck to, to stop anyone trying this again. Yeah. In fact, you know, one of the... There was, like, content creators who were, like, when I was being sued, it was like, don't fuck this up for everyone. <laughs> right? Yeah, if you set the precedent... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Epic could really do some damage to this industry now. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Like, if they somehow come out of this melon of roses, maybe not, but... There, there's a risk that they, and maybe they don't care because I, I'm still of the opinion that this is part of a pattern of behavior for Epic to present themselves as caring. Yeah, I'm not, I am not worried about them damaging themselves. No, 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 I'm saying that, that. Because they won't. You know, they claim to be about all this, but I don't believe they do. They won't damage themselves in this. They're going to be fucking fine. Yeah, they're going to hurt others. Yep. And that's the problem. Yep. What else we got now that I'm pissed uh, off? Oh, oh, I'm sure there's some other things we can be pissed off about. Ah, uh, we have multiple stories about Ubisoft this week, so get ready for that. Oh, good. Um, so Ubisoft put out a little image on their Twitter going like, ah, oh, here's the, the, the standard edition of, uh, not Gods and Monsters, what's it called now? Phoenix, uh, uh Phoenix Rising or whatever it is. The, the I think Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Is, is it the story of the rebirth of a company that has spent decades abusing its employees and is finally starting to turn itself around? Because if it's not, I don't give a fuck what you call oh. it. Oh, good. Well, you, you're going to want to hear about this because they put up this image going like, oh, here's the standard edition. Here's the full, uh, the, uh, the, the, the special edition. Ubisoft ha has the standard edition and some little tick boxes and it goes, oh, what does it contain? The standard edition contains the full game. 
oh, that's great. The uh, collector's edition contains the full game and the season pass and the additional cosmetic um, add-on content. And the more they added, it's like, that's your standard edition doesn't contain the full game. It contains the base game. It's the shell game. It's the base price. Yeah, the base game is not the full oh. game if there's not if there's things that aren't in it. This reminds me of well, when I I like to go off when a game's called an ultimate edition, and then there are certain Ubisoft's done that. Yeah, and there are several tiers above that that clearly must be more ultimate than ultimate. Uh, and they did that with the first gears of well, one of the gears of wars, and and there was DLC for it. And I'm like, not very ultimate. Yeah. You've got to know what words mean. No, I think we need to to, to accept the fact that language changes over time, <laughs> you see. And this is just the natural evolution of language in late-stage capitalism, because that's how our language evolves now. It evolves in, manner, in a manner that obscures problems so that we can spend more time talking about the nuance instead of addressing them and figuring out better ways to confuse people into buying shit. That's what language is used for now. Enjoy. Ooh. I had a nice little jimquisition on, on certain linguistic choices that come from the industry. And, you know, I, I'm a big um, proponent of the evolution of language. It's, it's important, but it go, it's a double-edged sword, 100%. There's, there's language evolving, and then there's, like, like, stereotypical scientists playing with mutagens to create monster words. And that's what companies are. They're, they're, they're full on, like, white long lab coat, elbow length black rubber gloves. They know they can, but should yeah. they? Pouring different colored vials into other vials to no visible end. Uh, but that's what they do with words. And it's sad. Yeah. It's like that episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where the mutagen was drunk by a bull and then it turns into a bull covered in spikes. It's a sad bull. Yeah. It's a sad, it's a sad spiky bull. And I think, I think Raphael made some hilarious crack about a china shop or something. You know what Raphael's like. Ah, uh, he's he's rude. Yeah, but but cool. Yeah. So you know, we still invite him for beer night. <laughs> uh, the the other bit of news about gods and monsters, the game that I can't remember what it's actually called anymore because yeah. the the new name is Phoenix Rising. Forgettable. Uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising. That's it. Um. The reason it's not called Gods and Monsters anymore is apparently because the Monster <laughs> Energy Drink Corporation were like, no, you can't use the word monster. That's our thing. We own the concept of a monster. Monster is going after monsters. Monster is going after the literal monsters yeah. that work at Ubisoft. Now, here's the thing, right? I say this without going to Ubisoft's defense, but also fuck monster. Oh, God, Because yes. they do this all the fucking time, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. If Okay, you know, going back to the whole, you know, I don't approve of corporations, like, changing language or attempting to change language in such ways but i prefer that than trying to fucking own the words yeah this is what king did oh yeah don't, you can't own a genericized word if you invent a new word or have a combination of words sure not an individual word it's like that asshole has been suing everybody on god's green earth for the word edge forever because of his fucking yeah. magazine i think he ended up going too far and there's like lost the ability to do that shit What's that guy's name? I'm going to fucking look him up because he was a real piece of shit. Uh, 
Edge trademark. He went after Edge the magazine. He went after any game with the word Edge in it. The, the one that, that makes me laugh is um uh, Tim Langdell. Sorry to right. you there. Sorry, Fuck Tim Langdell. I, I did enjoy when someone got their revenge on one of those. Um, someone re- cha- legally changed their name to Hugo Boss in order to just have a bit of a fuck you to the Hugo Boss Corporation, who were very excessive about, like, you can't call a thing boss. We own that. Okay, that's a real tough decision to make, right? Yeah. Do I take on the name of a Nazi sympathizer? He did it for, like, two months and then changed his name back. I've heard that some writers will will take on interesting pseudonyms, like maybe um, conversion therapy oh. uh, creators, you know? Maybe. Mm. Oh, that was a total accident, that one. A oh, total coincidence. Hey, uh, hey, I'm just going to say this. Just a generic statement as someone who has worked with book publishers and has, has had conversations about pen names. If you have a major publisher behind your book and you suggest a pen name... They will Google that pen name to see if it's already a name and tell you about the connotations and make sure you're okay with the connotations of your pen name. No one accidentally uses a gay conversion therapy man's name as a pen name. You don't accident into that. This is why I couldn't be Dennis Thatcher, by the way. (laughs) See ya. Laura, save us. What else we got? Ah, we got other stuff. Ah, let's talk about remedy and control. One last thing. Mm. One last thing. Sorry. Okay, okay. No, go ahead. Eve Schwimmo's apology. Oh, to oh, quote thank Monty you. Python, not good enough. Yeah, I almost forgot to say this. So yeah, Eve Schwimmo gave a four-minute apology. It was a real half-assed one, but it it was an apology, I guess. They, uh, apparently, he doesn't blink in it. I haven't gone back to check, but <laughs> apparently there are some like harsh edits in it. So there's a suggestion they edited out all the blinking. I guess to make him appear less human. I that's weird if that's a thing or maybe maybe they got david cage's polygon technology and this is the most realistic old man head they've ever had um, i'm gonna watch this silently while we do whatever the next story is i want to know now stare into um, eve's unblinking eyes but yeah on, on that topic i do want to know uh, Ubisoft did not air this apology during their UbiForward event. What? Uh, according, really? According to them, uh, in t- not as a public tweet, but in lots of responses to content creators. Did they not have enough time to edit it in there? Because... Oh, uh, yeah. They, they said, like, ah, oh, sorry, due to timing constraints, oh, there wasn't God. time in the live stream I, for it. Twice. Like last yeah, time. It, it wasn't that there wasn't time to edit it in. It's that there wasn't time in the live stream. Ah, oh, the time, the live stream, it's only two hours. We don't have four minutes to wedge it in. Oh, so it wasn't important enough. That's that was the thing they have so little respect for us that they'll give us the same excuse that was knowing like like clear bullshit last time they're gonna throw it again to the point where even jeff Keeley says oh come on well no apparently this is time limit related now it wasn't it wasn't that they didn't have the time to fix the fucking problem no 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 it was more important to them to shill their fucking product that's it it's straight up acknowledgement that they do not give a Fuck about addressing this abuse problem. It's just about selling their shit. Fuck you, mask off. Go to hell. Oh, it gets even worse. So in the the tweets to people, they were like, oh, we don't have uh, room in the in the live stream. There's not enough time. We can't wedge it in. But when we upload the VODs of UB Forward to YouTube, when we put like the version that people can watch after the fact on YouTube. Oh, you're going to put it on the end, aren't you? No, well, no, well. They said we're going to put the apology on the on the the video on demand, so people who watch it on YouTube they will see the uh, the apology. They didn't. 
That was just a lie. <laughs> that was just a lie they told. I'll add it to the others. I've, I've actually done videos cataloguing their history of lying, which they do with abandon. We'll add that. It has been four or five days since, and yeah, none of those VODs actually have the apology in, so... Maybe they'll do it, they will do it, but like several years from now. They can really get bent. They they talk about fucking time constraints. It's not just that they've had like a month or whatever since the last Doobie Ford. They've had ten years. You've had ten years to address this shit and say, sorry, Eve, friend to fuck boys. Uh, and I'm sorry, you're not on a fucking broadcast network. You're streaming it on your own goddamn platform. It does not need to be exactly 60 minutes. It can be 64. Put the fucking apology in the program. Yeah. When my live streams are incompetent and messy and a piece of shit, it's not because of time constraints, it's because I couldn't be fucked. That's what it is, Ubisoft, you can't be fucked. Also, I've I've not posted it, but I kind of want to do this tomorrow. Um, I, I, I went through that, that hour-long conference and was like, oh, here's four minutes of absolute nothing bullshit you could have cut to fit it in. There you here's go. The four, here's the four-minute space you could have made. Done. Uh... I'm watching this video, you're right, Yves Kimmel has not blinked at all a minute and 20 seconds into this video. Not a single blink. Wow. It's kind of terrifying. Eat of one, the recent episode of Taskmaster I just watched. Okay, other things that happened. You know how Remedy said, hey, you've got to buy Control Ultimate Edition if you want to get the upgrade to, uh, to next-gen consoles? Cause, <laughs> I love like, this it, one. It's physically impossible for us to, you know, upgrade your existing version. We have to sell you a new game, otherwise it's just not going to work. <laughs> Jim, do you want to tell people what happened this week? <laughs> the thing they said was impossible happened. Like like the miracle spell in Dungeons and Dragons. They said it was impossible and then a cleric clapped their fucking hands together and suddenly the upgrade to control that they said they couldn't give owners of control was suddenly accessible to owners of control. All of them from the looks of it, or at least the ones that add all the DLC as well. Yeah, so you mean if you bought all the DLC, you know, all of the contents in the Ultimate Edition, you mean to tell me that uh, on, on the system it just automatically gave you the Ultimate Edition package? There were blockers, Conrad. There were... Let, let me let me explain this to, <laughs> to a layperson, okay? Okay. There were right. blockers. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to get a, a little bit too technical here, but, but you know, follow me down this path. Mm-hmm. Um, there were blockers, Conrad. Mm. I don't want to... Do you get I, what I'm saying? Do you? I don't want to say that I have intimate knowledge of some of the systems involved in executing these things, but they are so fucking full of shit. They were full of shit then. And the fact that they fucked it up, because you actually do have to kind of go out of your way to fuck this up. But they did it. I mean, this is Bethesda quality. Sorry, I've got to give you an update because I'm, I'm, I'm checking this out in real time. Um, Eve's Gimmo just went 90 seconds without a cut, without blinking. Brilliant. There is two minutes into this video, he has not blinked and there has only been one cut 30 seconds in. I'm starting to think that, that my, my accusations of Andrew Wilson being an Android Wilson I, are, are, are misplaced because we might be looking at, at an actual sim... Well, let's not... Let's not be hasty and call your judgment into question too quickly. There could be a lot of these fuckers that are robots. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just fascinated by his lack of blinking now. Eve Schwimmobot. Western civilization world. See what I did there? 
every time I blink while watching this video, I'm very aware of the fact that I'm blinking and he's not. That's a human blinks. Uh, what else happened this week? Oh, Microsoft did a really shitty job of explaining what versions of old games will work on your new next-gen consoles, because their naming convention is weird and confusing. Well, yeah, like... So, <laughs> yeah. the, the, sh the short version... If you buy the Xbox Series S, which is the new next generation console, uh, the cheaper end one, it won't play your Xbox Series, uh, your Xbox One X patches for Xbox One games. Well, why would they? Um, okay. But it will run the, the Xbox One S versions of the games with increased, uh, you know, um, Increased performance that is not part of the Xbox Series, uh, the Xbox One X patch. So it'll run better in some ways than the Xbox One X version, but it won't run the Xbox One X patch. It'll run the Xbox One S version with updates. Well, but the Xbox One X version is, you know, designed to work on that. I mean, this just, this makes sense. It seems complicated. Oh, it, it, it makes sense, but it's confusing to uh, to i struggle to to verbalize it well that's the thing i think they're making the i think that they're making the mistake in even trying to explain it yes right because it's not necessary all they need to say is if you buy an xbox uh series s or you buy an xbox series x when you buy games you can play them and that's it yeah. and it, yeah and again it makes sense because most of those Xbox One X patches are designed to add um, 4K support, right. and the the Series S is designed to output at 1440 1440p, but it does some, does some things that aren't resolution better, and it will automatically do things like loading the game faster. That's great. Things that uh, this machine was designed to fucking do. Yeah. But more to the point, you put the fucking disc in or you download it, the game works. Why is this an issue? Exactly. It's, it's Microsoft trying to explain it has made it seem more complicated than it fucking is. Fucking overthink squad. This is like they're getting into Wii U yeah. space, mm -hmm. and they don't want to be there. Yeah, because it's... The, the thing I saw a lot of, and I get it, is the gut response people had when they saw the uh, the headline won't run Xbox One X patches is wait, why won't my next-gen console play the the, the, <sighs> the the patch made for last-gen console? This is newer, right? It should play that. That reminded me I need to download Xbox, well I'm doing it now, I download an Xbox on my phone, give that a go. They have everything they need, it's theirs to fuck up, and I hope they don't fuck it up. They're doing a good job of fucking up their messaging at the moment, they, they are complicating their messaging when they don't need to. Uh, at, at the time we record this, um, Sony's PS5 livestream hasn't happened yet, it happens a few hours after we record, so... For anyone who's wondering, we haven't seen it yet. We'll probably talk about it next week, maybe. Who knows? They keep time in this. They keep time in this specifically to undermine us because they listen. Oh, they know. They know that we are a force in this industry to be reckoned with. And they want to make sure they get that week of lead time before we can come in with you know, all the critical analysis and everyone will have moved on to the other story. Yeah, I see you, industry. Nintendo's doing it as well. They're doing a Nintendo Direct tomorrow and everything happens just after nah. we record. Well, that's a third party Direct. Like, chances are nothing good will happen or if it does, they'll say 
save it for the Japanese one only for no reason? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what will happen. A whole bunch of Nintendo fans are going to get all excited about something that's not going to get announced. Yeah, the, the two things that are going around that I hope they happen, but who the fuck knows, is the rumors that there's going to be some something new to do with uh, Monster Hunter and that that Mass Effect trilogy's final, uh, port is finally getting announced. Which, I mean, both of those I'd be into. There will be some character that's going to appear in something that everyone is excited about, and that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so what else happened this week? Uh, I'm sure there was other... Maybe that wasn't other news. Maybe that was it. It's been a weird week. It has. I think that, yeah. I think that was it. Did we do it? I think... Yeah, we we, we did bat, pretty much back on an hour. We did it. We did it. Eskimo still hasn't blinked. Oh my god. Well, while while Eskimo's eyes are open, what kind of stuff could he look at that you've done, but we don't really want him to do it because fuck him. But other people could do it if they can't blink either. They could look at things you've done, Laura. Uh, things I've done. Laura K Buzz everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. You can find me Twitch streaming Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Uh, every Friday, I upload to YouTube an episode of Accessibility, which is a show about the video game industry and accessibility and representation. Uh, we recently did an episode all about Tell Me Why and its trans representation, which we had a special guest on. This week, we've got a video about um, audio descriptions, which are a standard in the movie industry but video games have never really touched um and basically one of them one of the few accessibility things the last of us two didn't have a have a crack at other than that there's books uncomfortable labels it's out now it's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum it's out where books are sold or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com things i learned from mario's butt that's coming out on february 4th 2021 is a serious and silly coffee table book of illustrated video game character butt reviews with a bunch of guest critics and developer interviews and that's like five months away and that feels really soon now um and there's gender euphoria which is an anthology of non-cis people's lovely positive gender affirming stories that should be out in time for pride month next year podcasts as well pixel squirt it's about video game character pornography queer and pleasant strangers which is me and my fiance talking about things that aren't always video games and Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Every season's a self-contained story. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 with Conrad. Oh, so you are. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can help support me and all the weird stuff I do. And I'm working on a new series that I think will probably wind up here and could be pretty fun. Uh, Patreon.com slash FistShark. Uh, you can... Uh, buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com or come hang out with me on the stream twitch.tv slash that conrad zimmerman been playing a lot of fall guys but definitely going to be mixing that up with uh, a bunch of spelunky too now that that's in my sweaty little grasp uh other than that uh jim you've got a uh patreon right i mean i can't play it because i need a, a, a controller for it but I've got Gears 5 running on my phone, just streaming to it, and it seems to be streaming all right. Yeah, well, you could probably Bluetooth connect your PS4 controller to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. And while I do that, people could go to patreon.com slash jimquisition. I'd plug the YouTube channel, but what's the point anymore? I'm doing stuff on Twitch, though. Yeah, that's something are. That's something with a, a glimmer of upward mobility. So let's go there, please. 
Twitch TV, Jim, Jim Sterling yeah. now. We ch- I changed the name yeah. to broaden it up, you know. So Jim Sterling, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Um, I haven't done one yet this week. I've been really waylaid, but we'll try and get one out. We've been doing it more regular, so do tune in. And, and that's it. That's it. Thank you for listening, as always. And we will see you next week. Bye. 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 My eyes are stinging from trying to keep them open as long as Eve's Gear Mo. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs>